Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. We have another Freedom Rings for you today, and thank you for joining us. And we know you're going to enjoy meeting Senator Bill Haggerty. He is newly elected to the U.S. Senate, is in his first year of service, and he and I share the duty, the responsibility, the absolute joy and pleasure of representing Tennesseans in the U.S. Senate. So, Senator Haggerty, I am delighted that you could join us. Thank you so much. Well, it's such a privilege to serve alongside you, Senator Blackburn, and we couldn't be more privileged than to serve the great state of Tennessee and all of our oh, fellow Tennesseans. that is so true. Good, good freedom-loving people. Indeed. And that is always our topic. Now, you are a Tennessee native. You were born in Gallatin. That's right. And grew up there in Tennessee and in Kentucky also, right? We finished, uh, I, I finished high school in Kentucky. My parents moved there for maybe 10 years, something like that. So I attended junior high and high school there, but I was born in Gallatin. My father played for the Gallatin Green Wave. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's where my roots are. We had a small farm in a place called Castalian Springs, which is in Sumner County. It's outside of Gallatin. But I grew up playing on those hills. And in fact, I was just there a couple of weeks ago. We were touring the new Beretta plant, and it's just over the hill from where that farm that I grew up on was. And uh, Beretta, of course, manufacturing guns right there in Tennessee, and we have a lot of Second Amendment lovers Indeed. and those that appreciate their Second Amendment rights that are in Tennessee. So as you were growing up, you were active in Boy Scouts mm-hmm. and became an Eagle Scout and today even still involved with Boy Scouts. So talk to me a little bit about how you first became interested in freedom or realized what freedom meant to you. Well, you know, uh, I started Scouts in Gallatin as a, as a kid, as a Cub Scout. Um, you know, it's, it, there's this notion of patriotism that I think we appreciate so much in Tennessee. My chest still swells when I hear the Star Spangled Banner, and it started as a kid. I remember I was a flag boy in school. It was a great honor to get to hoist the flag every morning and take it down every mm-hmm. afternoon, and I still know how to fold an American flag. Mm-hmm. But there's something about growing up in a small town. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows each other. You know, my, my father uh, was, was a veteran. My parents were, you know, were both born before World War II and can remember vividly, uh, you know, maneuvers around Gallatin that took place. So we grew up with a great and deep respect for the United States military, for the sacrifices that they made. Uh, scouting helped imbue that even deeper in me. My church did as well. But freedom has always been an important part of, of, of life. And if you think about someone like me growing up in a small town like Gallatin without a lot, uh, my mom was a career school teacher. My dad worked road construction. I was the first boy in my family to graduate from college. And only in America could something mm-hmm. happen like what's happened to me in my life. I couldn't have imagined the career that I went on to have when I was a young boy growing up in those hills in Gallatin. Well, it's and been amazing. <clears throat> pardon me, that career includes a little bit of time over at the White House with George Bush, but mm-hmm. then your career began with Boston Consulting. That's right. And then you went to Tokyo on an assignment there. Uh, and then you served as Economic Development Director for the state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, helped President Trump, you led his transition work, and then went to Japan, 
as an ambassador, you and Chrissy and yeah. all four children. Yes. yes. Even the, the pets, right? Even, even Crosby, our dog. Yes. <laughs> and um, then back here to run for, um, for U.S. Senate. Mm-hmm. So how did you become interested in public service? You know, I started probably at the age of 14. That's when I decided I wanted to attend the United States military or the United States Naval Academy. And uh, that had been my goal. I, as you mentioned, I was an Eagle Scout and patriotic kid, and I wanted to serve my country in that way. And I went through the process, actually got a nomination, but I didn't realize that I was born with a deficiency. And when I went through the process of, of having a physical, I found out that I'm colorblind. And that's something you wouldn't know, you're born that way. But it, was, it, was, it made my attendance to the U.S. Naval Academy impossible. Um, but I remain patriotic in, in, in any event. And so I wound up going to school in, in Nashville at Vanderbilt University. And that was a great experience for me. And as, as you mentioned, it led to me being hired by a firm that uh, was, you know, ca- called the it was called the Boston Consulting Group. But they had offices offices around the world, and uh, I, I couldn't have imagined as I left to go to that job. I think I'd been all of seven states at that point, and I wound up working on five continents. And as you mentioned, I, I spent three years uh, serving in Tokyo, Japan, and those three years were really formative for me as well. When I got to Japan. Tiananmen Square happened, and then the Berlin Wall came down, and then the United States entered the Persian Gulf War. I'm patriotic, but I'm on the other side of the world, and I thought, how could I get involved? How could I help and do something? I'm not going to be able to join the military at this point. I didn't think so, but I did think that I could come back and help, Mm -hmm. so I was able to get a job working on the domestic policy staff of the White House under President George H.W. Bush. And there they put me in a staff role, but my responsibility was deregulation, trying to get the regulatory morass trimmed down, get regulations out of the way, so our economy could again get back and thrive and survive. I learned a lot through that process. I learned how difficult it is to deal with the bureaucracy. And I learned how important solid, strong leadership is. We have too few people in Washington that understand how the economy works. And that that was a real eye opener for me. And then that led you to choose uh, to work with Governor Haslam for economic development and take some of those lessons learned and apply them to Tennessee and to our economy. Talk a little bit about what you were able to accomplish in that role. Well, I will. After I left, um, I guess I was fired on the 20th of January, 1993, when Bill Clinton came into office. There was a source of pride for me in that, uh, but... I was I was removed not only from from that role but also from from the role as as a member of the president's council on competitiveness, which is what we called our deregulation effort. I went back to work. Uh, I started investing in venture capital, and and and, and later, uh, one one of the one of the earlier investments I made was in a small company that had been one of my clients at Boston Consulting Group had a small division that we lifted out and put a little capital into it, and it became ultimately the company known as MapQuest. Do you remember? Sure. MapQuest. Yeah. That was a a verb at one point in time, yes. but it was a great uh, cartographic and mapping software business. And that investment turned out to be a home run for, for me and for the other folks that invested in it. And that gave me enough capital to really begin to go out and start buying and investing and building you know, my own companies on my own account. And so that's what I've done for my career is, is help build and grow companies. And many of those companies have grown into very successful companies. I've served on the boards of the New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ, and a lot of privately held companies that I've been involved with. That experience really was a solid foundation for me coming back to help my state 
when Governor Haslam uh, was elected to be governor, uh, he reached out to several of us in the private sector and asked us to come in and help. And you've done the same thing. You served in our state, mm-hmm. in our governor's cabinet, too, in the in administration before me. Uh, but I came in and, and took on the economic development role at a time when we were trying to get out of the last recession that we were in. You remember the Obama-Biden administration put $1.5 trillion stimulus into the economy, and we got the slowest recovery on record. That's right. I'm worried about what the Biden administration is doing right now for precisely the same reasons. And Tennessee wasn't in a good place. In fact, our economic performance was in the bottom half of the nation. Our unemployment rate was higher than the national average when we came in. We also had a large budget deficit. Governor Haslam came to everybody running a department and agency. He said, look hard at your cost structure, see if you can save money. I went first, given my business background, and we wound up eliminating over 40% of the positions in my department. It drove the Democrats crazy. They said, how could you be for jobs when you eliminated all these jobs in your department? My response was, the government's job isn't to be an employment agency. Our job is to create an environment so private sector businesses can thrive and grow. And that's exactly what we did. I restructured the department. I put the team in the field where the companies are, where they could work with local leaders. And Tennessee's economy began to take off. We recruited like crazy. And by the time I left, I stayed for the first term. Tennessee was number one on almost every measure, GDP growth, wage growth. We were the number one state in the nation for jobs created through foreign direct investment. Tennessee's a juggernaut now, and that continued through the Haslam administration. It's continued into the Lee administration. Commissioner Rolfe is doing a terrific job. We're going to have a great announcement that you and I may participate in here very soon uh, with more growth. And, and I think Tennessee is going to be at the fore for years to come. We certainly created the right environment in Tennessee, and it's thanks to a great conservative legislature, you were a part of that, that yes. has made the tax environment in Tennessee one of the most favorable in the nation. So thank you for your service and leadership in that regard. Well, and I think having that structure, it is why we continue to mm-hmm. hear in rating after rating that Tennessee is one of the top places in the country to relocate a business, to start a business, uh, to get resources for launching a new idea. And that really adds to the quality of life in our state. Well, let me ask you this. When your kids ask you about freedom, uh, and many times we'll hear people say, oh, freedom is an old-fashioned idea. But indeed it isn't. It is a foundational idea. So how do you talk to your kids about freedom? You've got high schoolers, middle schoolers. How do you have that conversation with them? We've had conversations about freedom from the very beginning. And I've tried to tell them that we live in the most exceptional nation in the world. There's no other nation like America, and I think Tennessee is one of the most free states mm-hmm. in our nation. But there was no greater lesson than for them to move with me to a foreign country. We mm-hmm. moved to Japan. As you mentioned, I served as United States ambassador there. My youngest child was eight years old. My oldest was 14 when we moved over there. And so they had a chance to really experience life in another, in another mm-hmm. culture, another economy. And while, while Japan, Japan is a democracy, they don't enjoy nearly the level of freedom that we do here in America. They don't have a Second Amendment. Freedom of speech isn't the same there as it is here. Mm-hmm. And I think they had an opportunity to really see the difference, how great it is to be an American. Why do we stand stronger than any other nation? We attract the kind of people that love freedom. We attract the people that innovate. We attract the people that want to build and grow. And I think that was the greatest lesson that I could have given them, was the opportunity to live somewhere else and really reflect on 
what's different about America and why our country is so unique. And since the Haggerty family was in service to our nation in Japan, and uh, when your children hear others talk, do they kind do your children kind of have a different filter when we talk about freedom and patriotism and uh, civic duty and civic responsibility? They definitely do. And that came through loud and clear when I was campaigning for office. They were there with me. They realized the importance of it. They know that we're making an investment, and they know that they suffer as a result of it because their dad isn't home. But mm-hmm. they wanted me to succeed and do this. We talked a lot about it. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot about the fact that whom God has given much, much is expected. Mm-hmm. I expect the same of them. And they get involved in public service and community service in their own lives. My two boys are Boy Scouts, or Boy Scouts and now Eagle Scouts too. My daughters are involved in Girl Scouts. They're involved in the community. My son, my oldest son, put together a tutoring program during this whole COVID pandemic shutdown. He put together a tutoring program for the kids at schools that are less privileged so that he and his classmates could tutor these kids in math and some of the other hard areas, STEM areas. And he's doing it every Saturday, still still continues to do this. So I think they've learned in, in, in a really great way. And we're going to continue to inspire them to give back in every way they can. Well, I think that is one of the important components of freedom. As my family would always say, give back more than you take mm-hmm. and leave things in better shape than you found them. Well, you've certainly done that in your career, too. And that is, well, it's important for all of us to to do. So as you are coming to the U.S. Senate, what is going to be your focus in your work while you were here? It became very clear to me during the past four years that leadership really does matter. You know, I think if we, if we think about the conversation regarding China, I've been concerned about it for years. You've been concerned about it for years. But having an administration led by President Trump that really reset the conversation on China has made a big difference. I think it's, waking, it's, it's, it's awoken America to the threat that China really poses. China is our strategic adversary. And until President Trump came into office, I think there was a lot of discussion about, well, if we expose them to democracy, if we, we let them engage in our markets, that maybe they'll change. No, they've taken advantage of us at every step of the way. Standing up and being strong is the right position for America. And the world craves American strength. I can tell you from firsthand experience, having been in Japan, we have more American military stationed in Japan than any place else in the world. Why is that? It's a very tough neighborhood with North Korea, Russia, and China right there. Our leadership is something that is important to the rest of the world, and we need to continue to show that leadership. And so my goal here is to make certain that our economy remains strong, the strongest in the world, and that our military and national security interests are the strongest as well. And that is something we're going to have to work on every single day. Well, thank you all for joining us for Freedom Rings podcast. You're going to find us wherever you pull down a podcast, Freedom Rings, and you're going to find Senator Bill Haggerty online. Thank you so much for sharing some of your time with us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at MarshaBlackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced 
by Jared Cummings. Executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make freedom ring.